Welcome to A Word Fitly Spoken, a podcast about Jesus, His Word, and our joy in following Him. I'm Michelle Leslie. And I'm Amy Spreeman, and boy, oh boy, do we have a jam-packed episode for you tonight. You might remember that in our last episode, Thinking Out Loud, that was the title of it, uh, Michelle talked about attending the Southern Baptist Convention back in June. And one of the issues that came up at that meeting was whether or not Rick Warren's church, Saddleback, should be disfellowshipped from the SBC for ordaining three women as pastors last year, and for Rick's announcement earlier this year that when he retired, he would be replaced by a husband and wife co-pastor team. Yeah, that's right. And I mentioned that uh, after this issue came to the floor, Rick was allowed to deliver what he called a love letter to the SBC, which is actually a love letter to himself. (laughs) Don't get me started on that. Uh, But he just listed all his supposed accomplishments and accolades. And he finished up this quote unquote love letter by saying, are we going to keep bickering over secondary issues or are we going to keep the main thing the main thing? Mm, And that's what we're going to tackle tonight. Rick Warren seems to think women preaching and pastoring is a secondary theological issue. And it would seem that a lot of evangelicals agree with him. But is it really? Well, before we get too far into the topic we're addressing tonight, I think we'd better define our terms for our listeners who might already be uh, confused, because there are a lot of people out there, some who claim to be Christians, who are trying to muddy the waters about these terms and sneak women preachers in through the back door. In fact, they're not even sneaking anymore. They're just marching them right down the center aisle, right to the pulpit. So uh, the title of our episode tonight is... Is women preaching a secondary issue? Well, what do we mean by secondary issue? That might be a a term we want to define right away. So if you've ever or never have heard that term before, uh, we want to encourage you to hit pause and go back and listen to an episode we did a couple of years ago called What Are Essentials and Non-Essentials? And as always, we're going to put that link in the show notes for you tonight. But in that episode, we discussed the topic of what some have called theological triage. Now, maybe you've heard the terms essential doctrines or primary, secondary, and tertiary theological issues or first, second, and third tier levels of doctrine? Well, for years, theologians have been attempting to organize the beliefs of the Christian faith into that nice, neat categories in order to make things just a little simpler for us. Yes, and generally speaking, essential or primary or first tier doctrines are those which, according to Scripture, you have to believe in order to become a Christian and or to be considered a Christian. Things like having a biblical view of the Trinity, uh, believing that Jesus rose bodily from the dead, these are issues which directly affect whether or not a person is saved. Secondary issues are typically defined as non-salvific, but still extremely biblically important. And the doctrines surrounding baptism, like believer's baptism versus baptizing babies, for example, those are usually cited as a secondary issue. Tertiary issues are non-salvific, less immediately urgent biblical issues in which the Bible is even less clear-cut and open to wider yet still biblical interpretation. Eschatology, the order and timing of events at Jesus' second coming, that's a doctrine that's often considered third tier. 
Rick Warren and many other evangelicals would have you believe that women pastoring and preaching is a secondary issue on par with doctrinally sound Christians who hold biblical yet differing views of baptism. Yeah, so now that we've defined what a secondary issue is, we need to turn to the definition of women preaching. What do we mean and what do we not mean when we talk about women preaching or pastoring? Well, first of all, when a Christian woman stands behind a podium and addresses a group of Christian women, that's not preaching. Even if you really like what she has to say, even if what she says is completely biblical, and even if she speaks very passionately, not preaching. When a woman addresses a group of women, whether it's at a Christian women's conference, in the sanctuary of a church, or in your weekly Bible study class, that's not preaching. That's called teaching or speaking. Yeah, that's right, Amy. You know, some of our listeners might think, eh, preaching, teaching, potato, potato, what's the big <laughs> deal? Amy and Michelle are just making a mountain out of a molehill, just like they always do. You know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we're really not. You know, one of Satan's really subtle and crafty tools these days is the corruption of our language. It's almost like the Tower of Babel in reverse. You know, God gave us different languages to accomplish His good purposes, and now Satan deconstructs our common language in an attempt to thwart God's good purposes. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, and aren't we seeing this even in society with things like, what is the definition of a woman? Well, I don't know. I'm not a biologist. Or, you know, phrases like a person with the capacity for pregnancy, you know, which leaves the door open for so-called pregnant men instead of just saying pregnant pregnant woman or mother like we always have, you know. And it's the same idea with using the word preaching for women teaching women. If Satan can get enough people, either intentionally or out of biblical ignorance, if he can get enough people using the word preaching for women teaching women, or here's another one, women's pastor, that's the title that some churches use instead of women's ministry director or something to that effect. If he can get enough of us to use those biblical terms improperly and normalize it, it's just a matter of time before he shapes our minds to think that women preaching to or pastoring men is no different than women, quote unquote, preaching to or pastoring men. I mean, we're using the same words, so it must be the same thing, right? The corruption of our language is one way Satan gets his foot in the door to corrupt our thinking. So we need to be careful, precise, and most of all, biblical in our terminology. Yeah, that's right, Michelle. Words mean something. So in the that's New right. Testament, the word preaching always refers to a man, a pastor, an elder, apostle, and so on. And it always refers to that man exhorting a gathered assembly of men and women together. That's why we don't use the word preaching or the word sermon, for that matter, for women teaching women. It's really confusing, and it's also biblically inaccurate. Uh, you, uh, we could look at the verse uh, in Titus uh, chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, and that's the clearest New Testament passage we have on the subject of women teaching other women. Now, those verses use the word teach, not preach. So that's the biblical word we always want to use. So when we say that women preaching or pastoring is not a secondary theological issue, 
We're not talking about women teaching or speaking in front of a group of women. We're using the biblical definition of a male pastor or preacher preaching to or pastoring a congregation of men and women. And that goes for women blogging, podcasting, and posting on social media, too. That's another objection Michelle and I get all the time, that we are somehow violating Scripture by preaching to men when we just post things online. Scripture's prohibition against women preaching and pastoring in 1 Timothy uh, 2 and 3 has a very specific context. We're going to get into that in a little bit. Uh, But the physical gathering of the church body, that's what's meant there. Women posting biblical things on social media, blogs, and so on, uh, that's not preaching or pastoring. And these posts are not sermons because the internet is not the church. Preach it, sister. (laughs) Just kidding. I don't want to add confusion here. I'm not really telling her to preach, and this is not a church, so she's not preaching, and this is not a sermon. But there's one more thing that we don't mean when we're talking about women preaching and pastoring. We are not talking about women sharing the gospel with the lost. Right. Unfortunately, we're hearing this evil tool of Satan more and more, you know, where people will say, the Great Commission says that everyone is to go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. So that means that women can preach to the church and be pastors. No, it doesn't. That That is an <laughs> unbiblical conflation of evangelism and preaching, which are two completely different things. We did an entire episode on this exact issue of conflation called Women Preaching the Gospel, and the link is in the show notes, so go back and listen to it and share it with anybody you know who has this unbiblical idea. We don't conflate those two things. They're two different things. Evangelism is sharing the gospel with the lost outside the gathering of the church body. We're all commanded to do that. Preaching, on the other hand, is exhorting and instructing the saved inside the gathering of the church body, and only biblically qualified men may do this. The biblically appropriate way for women to evangelize is to share the gospel one-on-one with either sex or to teach, not preach, the gospel to a group of women. That's the biblically appropriate way for women to evangelize. But listen up. There is no biblically appropriate way for women to preach or pastor. Preaching is one of the duties of pastors and elders, and Scripture forbids women from doing this. Exactly. Amen. So just to review and drill down on this, as we talk about women preaching and pastoring tonight in this episode, we're not talking about women teaching other women or women posting things online, or women sharing the gospel with the lost. We are talking about women rebelling against Scripture and inserting themselves into the biblical definition of preaching and pastoring. This is a task and an office reserved for biblically qualified men who exhort and instruct the saved inside the gathering of the church body. Right, Amy. I know we've spent a good bit of time explaining these definitions, uh, you know, what and what we do and don't mean uh, before getting to our actual topic. But this is one of the side effects of not knowing what the Bible says about these things and of Satan confusing our language. So I think it's important to spend some time on them every once in a while. Oh, I do too. And we also want our listeners who already have their theology straight on these things to know that their friends and loved ones might hold some of the misunderstandings 
understandings we just talked about. So uh, we want them to know how to correct them biblically and, of course, always in love. So now that we're all on the same page about what a secondary theological issue is and the Bible's definition of preaching and pastoring, is women preaching and pastoring a secondary issue, Michelle? No, it is not. <laughs> Right. So I guess we can all go home now, right? Right. Yep. See ya. <laughs> yeah. Nah, we wouldn't want to do that to y'all. We still got some splaining to do, Lucy. Okay. <laughs> and one of the things we need to explain is that when we say women preaching isn't a secondary issue, we're not saying women preaching isn't a secondary issue. It's a primary issue. So don't be confused about that. What we're saying is that women preaching isn't a secondary issue or a primary issue, or a tertiary issue. And it's certainly not an issue of adiaphora or Christian liberty. Exactly. Okay, so we're going to really get into this now, because what we're saying is that the issue of women preaching and pastoring doesn't belong in any of those categories we just mentioned, with things like salvation, baptism, or eschatology, because it's not a doctrine of the church. It is, are you ready? It is a sin. And sin doesn't belong in that system of categorization. When Christians talk about the different levels of doctrine, you might hear, for example, people discussing whether eschatology is a second or third tier doctrine. What you don't hear are questions like, hey, is murder a first, second, or third tier doctrine? Well, what about gossip or adultery or lying or gluttony? Yeah, it would sound kind of silly to hear Christians discussing whether murder is a primary or secondary issue of Christian theology, wouldn't it? And it's not because these issues aren't important or because the Bible doesn't address them. It's because, as Amy said, they're in a completely different category from the other issues, the category of sin. They aren't doctrines that salvation hinges on. They aren't open to interpretation. And the Bible is clear that we are absolutely not to do these things. Right. In uh, Back in 2005, Dr. Albert Moeller wrote an, a really excellent article about the different levels of doctrine, and it was titled, A Call for Theological Triage and Christian Maturity. Now, in this article, he carefully explained the importance of each level of doctrine and what it covers. It was really an attempt to help us distinguish between biblical issues that are salvific and biblical issues that are not salvific. It was really uh, helpful article, I think, for the most part. And Michelle and I would tend to agree with the majority of Dr. Moeller's thoughts in this, except for this one. In the article, Dr. Moeller said this, quote, in recent years, the issue of women serving as pastors has emerged as another second order issue. Hmm. Yeah, I'm I'm afraid Dr. Mueller was just, well, I hate to say it, but just wrong about yeah. that. Uh, women serving as pastors, women preaching, women teaching men scripture in the church, and women exercising authority over men in the church is not a secondary issue. It does not belong in the category of doctrine in the same way that baptism and eschatology do. It belongs in the category of sin the same way murder, gossip, and adultery do. For the remainder of our time tonight, we're going to take a look at the reasons for this. So let's start by reviewing the key verse that we learned this from, 1 Timothy 2.12, which says, I do not permit a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Rather, she is to remain quiet. The prohibition in 1 Timothy 2.12 is a clear command against a certain behavior. And when we behave in a way that God has prohibited, that is called sin. 
all of the tenets in the three levels of doctrine are affirmative statements regarding beliefs. You must believe in the resurrection of Christ. We believe in baptism by immersion and so on. None of them are commands in the negative against sinful behavior, such as thou shall not murder or I do not permit a woman to teach. That's right. And as we continue to demonstrate to you that a woman preaching is not a secondary doctrine, but a sin, we really want you to feel and grasp that tension between differing beliefs when it comes to doctrine and differing behavior when it comes to sin. There's really a distinction between differing beliefs on issues of doctrine and differing behavior on issues of sin. Now, differing beliefs on true secondary and tertiary issues are not sin. For example, my Lutheran friends have a very different view of baptism than I do. That doesn't mean that either of us is sinning. I might think that their interpretations of the verses they believe support infant baptism are incorrect, but they are not breaking any of God's direct commands. Now, differing behavior on issues of sin, on the other hand, is sin. It's pretty simple. If someone behaves differently from God's command about, say, lying, for instance, she is sinning. If a woman behaves differently from God's command in 1 Timothy 2.12, yep, she's sinning. Yeah, and speaking of sin, people aren't usually inspired by a heart full of sin and wickedness to study doctrinally sound beliefs. Differing beliefs on secondary and tertiary issues are not born of disobedience and rebellion toward God. Normally, it's quite the opposite. When someone has studied a theological issue enough to hold a particular position on it, it's typically because she is striving to please God and to be biblical in her beliefs. But differing behavior on issues of sin is born out of disobedience and rebellion toward God. Someone who steals, for example, has already decided in her heart that her desires are better than God's command. A woman who knowingly holds improper authority over men in her church is doing so because she has already decided to defy God's clear command against it. Yes, and because differing beliefs on secondary and tertiary issues are not born of rebellion and are not sin— they do not require church discipline, but of course, sin does require church discipline. So if someone in your church is openly dishonoring her parents, for instance, she is sinning and should be subject to church discipline. If a woman is pursuing a career as a pastor, yep, she's sinning and she should be subject to church discipline. Yeah. And just one more difference between issues of doctrine and issues of sin. Secondary and tertiary issues can be open to varying degrees to biblical interpretation. Every eschatological tribe out there that's not heretical can provide you with chapter and verse passages that can, depending on the angle from which you approach the subject, be biblically plausible and scripturally supported. But there is no biblical support for anything God prohibits. No one can cite a properly handled in-context Bible verse in which God says, for example, it's okay to commit adultery, or women are allowed to preach. There can be multiple views on a secondary or tertiary issue that can all be considered biblical, but there can only be one view of sin that's biblical. 
Yeah, you know, ever since the publication of Dr. Moeller's article, and with others teaching the same sorts of things, this idea of the violation of 1 Timothy 2.12 being a so-called secondary doctrine has really spread in a most unhelpful way, and it's been leading many Christians to treat the issue as though it's really no big deal and Christians can just agree to disagree on it. Well, no, we cannot. And, you know, we wouldn't say we can agree to disagree on lying or adultery or homosexuality or abortion, right? And we cannot say it about women preaching or teaching men or holding unbiblical authority over them either. The biblical way to approach this sin is to disciple and teach a sister in Christ who might be unaware of what the Bible says on these matters. And if she is committing any of these sins, we begin the process of church discipline. But it would not be loving toward her or honoring to God to allow her to continue in biblical ignorance or in willful sin, would it, Michelle? No, yeah, that's exactly right. We take action against the sin rather than treating it like an agree to disagree issue because the violation of Scripture's prohibition against women preaching and pastoring brings with it dangers to the church that true secondary and tertiary issues and even many sins do not. In fact, it undermines first-tier doctrines. How? Well, first, she may not say it with her lips, but when a woman preaches to men in defiance of Scripture, she's teaching false doctrine through her behavior. What's the false doctrine she's teaching? She's teaching this, I don't have to obey God's Word, and neither do you. If there's a part of the Bible you don't like, you're free to disregard it. Yeah. If your pastor stood up in the pulpit on Sunday morning and said that in words, you'd run him out of town on a rail, and rightly so. Neither should a woman be able to teach that same false doctrine via her actions. Yeah, and that false doctrine she's teaching through her behavior of preaching or pastoring undermines the first-tier doctrine of the authority of Scripture. That's very important, that God's Word, His written Word, of course, is our authority for life and godliness, not our own feelings or opinions or experiences. Christians live by and obey Scripture. God's people have tried the everyone did what was right in his own eyes thing, right? It didn't work. Don't believe me? Go read the book of Judges sometime. Uh, Check that out. Yeah, it's it's scary how similar the book of Judges is to the church these days. So yes. read it at your own risk there. Uh, you know, and here's another false doctrine that, that women teach through their behavior, which also undermines a first-tier doctrine. When a woman, despite biblical correction, unrepentantly persists in rebelling against Scripture's prohibition against her pastoring, preaching, or holding authority over men. She's teaching the false doctrine that someone who's truly born again can live in willful sin as a way of life. It's no different than someone who says unrepentant practicing homosexuals are Christians. Amy, I'm, I'm working on memorizing the book of 1 John right now, and as I go over and over and over these verses, it is crystal clear that God says that believers don't persist in sin, and people who persist in sin aren't genuine believers. Amy, would you mind reading some of those verses for us? Absolutely. And I I just love that you are memorizing that, Michelle. Great idea. Uh, So these passages are both from 1 John. Chapter 2, verse 3 through 5, 
And by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him truly the love of God is perfected. And this one from chapter 3, verses 6 and 9. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning, for God's seed abides in him, and he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. And then here's Matthew uh, chapter 7, verses 16 through 18. And interestingly, this is talking specifically about false teachers. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Thank you, Amy. And, you know, we could go on and on and on with passages that teach this same idea, but I, I think those make the point for now. The first tier doctrine of salvation teaches that Christians are new creatures in Christ with a new heart and a new life, and we don't continue on in a lifestyle of sin after we get saved. And women pastoring, preaching to men, and holding unbiblical authority over men undermines that first-tier doctrine of salvation. In fact, it doesn't just undermine it, it flat-out denies it. And, you know, just so nobody misunderstands, we're we're talking about the false doctrine the woman is teaching via her behavior here. We are not saying that a woman preacher or pastor could never get saved. Of course she can get saved if she repents and believes the true gospel of Scripture. We're also not saying that a genuinely saved woman could never fall into the sin of preaching or even pastoring. I did. Years ago, I spoke at a handful of various co-ed classes and events, and God made me so uncomfortable doing it, I said I would never do it again. I was really immature. I didn't even realize I was I was under conviction about that and that that's why I was so uncomfortable, but but I was under conviction, and I repented because— I was genuinely saved. And, you know, and then finally, do we really even have to say this? We're not saying that a woman preaching or pastoring is what makes her unsaved. Failing to repent and believe the gospel is what makes you unsaved. A woman preaching or pastoring is just the fruit of her unregenerate heart. It is. And there's another fruit of her unregenerate heart and another danger to the church here. And we've both observed that this goes hand in glove with women preaching and pastoring. And that's this. Women preaching to men is highly correlated, we found, with women teaching other forms of false doctrine. It it, it always seems to be true to me, Michelle, and I know you've said that before, too. Um, Ladies, Michelle and I have researched scores of women teachers Every single one of them who unrepentantly teaches men also somehow teaches false doctrine in some other aspect of her theology. Usually it's progressivism, word of faith, or the new apostolic reformation or NAR. In other words, if a woman is a so-called pastorix, a female pastor, and she's preaching to men or holds unbiblical authority over men in the church, you can just about take it to the bank that she also teaches additional false doctrine. False doctrine and heresy are infecting the church by way of female preaching at an alarming rate. 
Yeah, it really is, Amy. It's so unfortunate. And finally, women preaching and pastoring undermines the first-tier doctrine of the sufficiency of Scripture because it looks outside the Bible for instruction about how the church should run. The proponents of women preaching and pastoring look to extra-biblical sources like the world or feminism or a woman's own fleshly desires or even to pastors and other Christian leaders who say that women preaching is okay for instruction on ecclesiology and pastor qualifications. People, we have three whole books of the Bible called the pastoral epistles, 1 Timothy, 2 Timothy, and Titus. And two of those three books devote proportionally large sections of teaching to the fact that men are the ones, biblically qualified men, are the ones to pastor, preach, and be an authority, not women. I mean, stop and think about that. What does that tell us about the importance that God places on who runs His church? We don't need another book or movement or opinion to tell us how to do church. We have a book. We just need to obey it. Yeah, we sure do, Michelle. And a woman who's violating God's design for women in the church can't lead us to do that because every time she stands up to pastor, preach, or hold unbiblical authority over men, her actions of disobedience to that book speak louder than her words. So in closing, let's just quickly review here. Women preaching and pastoring as the Bible defines those things is not a primary or a secondary or tertiary theological issue. Women preaching and pastoring is a sin because scripture forbids it. Women preaching and pastoring undermines or denies the primary doctrines of salvation, the authority of scripture, and the sufficiency of scripture. Women preaching and pastoring is itself false doctrine and introduces additional false doctrine into the church. This is absolutely not an agree-to-disagree issue, ladies. This is detrimental to the church to label and treat any sin as a secondary doctrinal issue. Thank you, Amy. You said that so well. I just really appreciate that. Well, listeners, I know this episode was a lot to take in, but let us know what you think about what you've heard tonight. You can leave us a comment and a five-star review on your favorite podcast platform, sound off on our social media pages, or even drop us an email. And if you really like what you heard tonight, hey, Amy and I would be glad to come say it in person to the ladies at your your next women's event. You can find information on all of that, plus how to support us on PayPal and Patreon at our website, AwardFitly spoken.life. And until next time, ladies, take a pass on the pastoring and preaching and walk worthy. 